He used every other sense of touch, of hearing, of smelling. He wanted to make sure that this was Esau, not Jacob, because this blessing was that important to him. And in fact, this blessing was that important to the family. But whatever doubts he had, he finally came to the conclusion that this was his eldest son Esau, which, by the way, was the wrong conclusion. But nevertheless, that's the conclusion he came to. And so he grabbed who he thought was Esau, but was really Jacob. And in Genesis 27 and verse 28, He begins to bless this son that he's holding in his hands. And he says, Therefore God give thee dew of the heavens and the fatness of the earth and the plenty of the corn and the wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's son bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that cursed thee, and blessed be he that blessed thee. And so here we see a three-part blessing, and I just want to scratch the surface on this. But first you have this abundance. Everyone say abundance. We might say plenty, but it's abundance. It's the dew of the earth and the fatness of the crops, basically. It's that his crops, have you ever... um, Maybe some of you gardeners, have you ever gardened and you had a bad crop? You know, you did everything possible and the sun came up and scorched it and it was just like uh, there was nothing there. It just withered and died and turned black and there wasn't anything to, to harvest. And this is the opposite of that. Let everything you touch blossom, produce an abundance. Everything you do, let it be successful. That there be plenty of corn and plenty of wine because this was um, pretty much how they traded. It was almost like money. The second thing was authority. Ever say authority? This was dominion. Let people serve you. Let them bow down to you. When you walk in a room, let you have spiritual authority. Let you have dominion. Even your brothers, because of um, the blessing so important. The, the promise of the Messiah is going to come through this lineage. Let even your brothers recognize the authority and the blessing. And the third thing, everyone say favor of God. Those that curse you, let them be cursed. And those that bless you, let them be blessed. And so this is a threefold blessing that we could take time to, to minister and preach. But I would say this. These three blessings are upon every man, woman, and child that's connected to the to the, to the blessing and the covenant of Abraham. And when you follow the steps that Peter talks about in the book of, book of Acts, Acts 2.38, repent of you, your sins, be, bas- be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of your sins, and you are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You are connected to the, to the covenant of Abraham through faith, and you are connected to this promise that was given to Jacob. And that promise, once again, is abundance. Financial prosperity, blessing. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity doctrine, but I just want to say God blesses his people. Authority. You can walk in authority. You have a covenant with God. And you, you are the head, not the feet. You are, you are above and not beneath. You don't have to, you don't have to barely make it every day of the, of the week. You don't have to let the devil have victory over you all the time. 
And the, and the third thing is the favor of God. When you are lined up with the covenant of God, you're walking according to God with uh, not walking in sin, but walking under the blood of Jesus Christ. The favor of God will be upon your life. And those that curse you will be cursed. And those that bless you will be blessed. So this is, this is the blessing, the threefold blessing. And uh, I want to remind you, Jacob didn't earn this or deserve it. I want to turn to Romans 9 and 10. And it says this, not only this, but when Rebekah also conceived by one, even by her father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done good nor evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. And it, is, and it was said unto her by the Lord, the elder shall serve the younger. And so this is what he's saying. This happened. This blessing was connected to Jacob's life. Not because Jacob was such, such a great person or because he did everything right. In fact, it was put upon his life before he even did anything good or anything evil. It was just that God chose that the lineage is going to flow through Jacob. And so God spoke to Rebekah and said, the elder will serve the younger. So here's Jacob. He's lying. He's deceiving. He's manipulating. He's doing all these things that sometimes we do just to try to get our own way. He wanted the blessing and so he did everything that he should not have done to get the blessing. And so we wouldn't, we wouldn't look at Jacob and say, okay, yes, I would like you sons or daughters uh, to follow the example of Jacob. No, no, no. Everything he did was wrong. He earned the blessing under false pretense. He manipulated himself into the situation. In fact, we would call it fraud. He committed fraud against his own father. And so it seems to me, as I read the story, that once the fraud is found out, that it would be nullified. It would be considered void. It would, oh, that didn't really count. It was, it was supposed to be Esau, not Jacob. Um, you know, we're going to redo it. We're going to start over. And we're going to give the blessing back to the son that was supposed to get the blessing. But that's not what happened. Because when the blessing came upon Jacob, it was an irrevocable promise. In other words, Isaac couldn't take it back. It belonged to Jacob. It doesn't matter how it happened or why it happened. In fact, I think at that moment, it was Isaac that realized God had to allow this to happen for me to be so deceived. But the blessing went from Abraham to the promised child, Isaac, to the son of the promised child, Jacob. And when Jacob leaves his father's side, <laughs> possessing the promise, the promise that he felt in the womb, the promise that he had um, convinced Esau to sell to him, it was just a few moments later that Esau shows up, and he walks in. I picture him like a butler with a tray, you know, the venison on it kind of like steaming it's warm it's hot it's tender you know toasted a little bit maybe a little bit charcoal on top but mostly golden brown there he is father i'm here for the blessing and i could imagine isaac 
What do you mean? Who are you? I am your son Esau. I'm here for the blessing. And he realized what had happened. Who was the one that just came and I did eat of his venison? And I did bless that son. Esau was very upset, as you can imagine. The Bible says he even shouted out loud. He said, he said, Jacob had done this two times to me. I want to read Genesis 27 and 37. Isaac says this once he realizes that Jacob stole the blessing. And he's speaking to Esau and he says, behold, I have made, I have made him your Lord. Could you imagine? Now, now if you have a brother or sister, put them in context here. <laughs> I have made your brother your Lord. And all of your, all the brethren, I have given the, him and all of them to you. Excuse me, to him for, as your servant. And with corn and wine have I sustained him. And what should I do now unto thee? In other words, Isaac was saying this. I have blessed Jacob and the blessing is going to stand. I'm sorry it happened this way. But the blessing went forth. What, I am, what am I supposed to do for you now, Esau? And Esau is demanding, you must have some kind of blessing. You must do something for me. And then when Isaac mustered up some kind of blessing for Esau, Esau hated the blessing he received. And so in Genesis 27 and 41, it says this, Esau hated Jacob. Why? Because of the blessing. I'm going to... I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, some people aren't going to like you because of God's blessing. In fact, some people are going to hate you because of God's blessing. You don't have to say that to your neighbor, but. <laughs> Did you know there's been 40 wars fought over Jerusalem? 40. 40 wars. 40 major battles. 40 major wars. Did you know Jerusalem has no military value? Has no economic value? No country needs Jerusalem. So why has there been 40 wars fought over the city of Jerusalem? It's because God said, I'm going to put my name on that city. And the devil wants it. And I want you to understand something this morning. When you go down the name of Jesus, he puts his name upon you. Your name is stamped. The name of Jesus is stamped on your soul. And because of that, the devil wants to come and he hates you for the, for the blessing and he hates you for the covenant and he wants to destroy you. He wants to break you down. He wants to, he wants to beat you up and he wants to cast you out. And he wants to convince you that you can't have the promise of God. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not holy enough. I mean, look at what you've done. Look at all the bad things you did. You don't deserve the blessing of God. The other night, I, I, uh, I fell asleep and God spoke to me. And God simply said this. I, I think that sometimes we try to complicate all of this. We think if, if I can just get some kind of image of what a perfect Christian looks like and I can live up to that standard and I can exalt myself on that level, then someday, one day, I can walk in the promise of God. 
And so we go after it. If I can just get it to level one, it's like playing a video game. If I can just get level one and level two and level three and get up to level 10. But what happens, we get up to like level eight and then we fall down Jacob's ladder. It's like starting over, redo. And you hear that video game reset. Now you're back at level one. If I can just get back a level two. You never, it's like an illusion. You never get to level 10. And so we don't ever stand on the promise of God because in our mind, we believe we can't have the promise of God until we get to level 10. And since we're not at level 10, well, we can't have the promise of God. I was asleep the other night and the Lord woke me up and I felt the Holy Ghost. And the Lord spoke this very simple. And he said this, Abraham had the blessing because he simply believed he could have it. I mean, is it really that simple? That I can just believe that I can have the promise and I can have it. Because this is what God is saying. I've given you the promise, but you've got to grab a hold of it, Jacob. Because you're really not good enough for it. And you're really not, uh, you don't really deserve it. In fact, there's a lot in you that is going to um, hinder the promise from coming to pass because of your ways and your thinking. But if you can just grab a hold of it, God's given it to you just because he wanted to. Amen. Now, I want to say two things that hinder the promise real quick of God from coming to pass in people's life. And the first one is this. Some people focus only on the physical blessings, the financial blessings. I want to just take you to a parable real quick in Luke chapter 12 and 16. And Jesus gives this parable, and I want to point out just a couple things. Uh, the ground of a rich man brought forth Plentiful. This is what I'm talking about, abundance, plentiful. And he thought to himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room to bestow my, my fruits. In fact, my barns are full. What, what am I going to do with all of this harvest? He said, this is what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns. Everyone, everyone understand? He's got barns that are full of harvest. But he comes up with this plan. I'm going to pull down the barns that I have because they're, well, they're just too small. And I'm going to build greater, bigger barns, and I'm going to bestow all of my fruit and all of my goods. And then notice what he adds to this plan. And I will say to my soul, oh, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take thy ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool. Thou fool. Now I'm going to stop. Well, I want to read verse 21. He that layeth, layeth up treasure for himself is not rich towards God. So the first thing that hindrances the promise of God in people's life is obviously is not believing. But the, the, I would say uh, one aspect of that is, or the second part of that is focusing only on the blessing. I have seen people that all they want to serve God until they get the blessing. We've had people that needed to get healed and they were sick. And they came to church as long as they were sick, but when they got the healing, they never came back. I've seen people that were in situations where their family was falling apart. Maybe their marriage was falling apart. Maybe their kids were in serious trouble. And they came to God as long as their family was in trouble. But when God answered the prayer, they were no longer uh, were anywhere to be seen. I've seen people that had financial problems. They were addicted or they were they were just had a bad situation and they came to the house of God seeking 
uh, answer to their problem. But when God answered the problem and, and solved the issue and gave them the finances, they were no longer around the house of God. And so this is what this scripture is saying. The promises of God are yes and amen. So anyone can, can ask God for the promises and the blessings. And you can, you can use faith and you can believe and you can trust in God. But what is, what is the reason you want all the blessings? Because this man had a barn full of harvest. And I've watched this. David said this way. I've never seen... Um, yeah, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread because God blesses his people. I've never watched people that are faithful to God, God not be faithful back. Never. I've never seen it. I've never seen what people don't, they, they give them the offering, they pay their tithes or whatever. They come to church, uh, they're faithful to God, they live for God. I've never seen God not bless their life. I've seen this the opposite. I've seen God take people, even that were homeless, walk in the church, and yet they give their life to God. And while, yeah, they still might have difficulties at first, over time, God blesses them. They bring forth better harvests. They bring forth better uh, blessings. God gives them better jobs. And, and all of a sudden, they've got a car they've never had. They've got a home they've never had. They've got things they never had before because God blesses his people. Amen? He does. But what God cares about is the attitude. Are we going to sit back and think, okay, how can I pleasure myself in the sense that I don't have to live a life of purpose anymore? I just want to eat, drink, and be merry. I just want, I just want this massive retirement plan with all this, this house and all these vacations and all this stuff. Or, or maybe it's just a, a smaller vision of just, just give me a, a small little trailer. I'm fine. But I'm just going to sit back and watch Netflix all day and just click the remote. In other words, I'm just going to take God's provision and blessing. And I'm just going to live to pleasure the flesh. He said, thou fool. Thou fool. You see, the blessing of finances and blessing of abundance is connected to the spiritual purpose you have on your life. And if God's giving you more than you can sustain, well, maybe God wants you to have an open hand and he wants you to bless someone that's struggling, someone that's hurting. Maybe there's a missionary that's on the foreign field praying to God. God, send, send the needed help. And maybe you're the one that God has chosen to bless your business so you can be the pass-through and you can be a blessing to that missionary. You see, the purpose is this. What are you rich towards? The things of this world or the things of God? In fact, James said this. You ask and you don't receive because you're asking according to fleshly desires. And God says, I don't want to answer those prayers anymore. I'm tired of them. All you're doing is consuming on your own pleasure. So God, I see in Scripture that we take the promise of God. I'll never forget because of the times a few years back. Brother Hunley, he's a missionary in a uh, Muslim-speaking country, and, and uh, I don't know what country it is because they didn't say he's not allowed to be there, but he's there. He's risking his life. And he got up at that conference, and he said, he asked God, God, why are the missionaries barely making it? Why are they struggling? Why are they barely able to make it uh, in these countries and do the things you've called us to do? Why won't you bless the church so the church can send resources to the missionaries? And Brother Hunley said, God, God, spoke back and said, I did bless the church. But they spent it all on houses and cars and vacations and things they wanted. 
Oh, God, help us. It's not wrong to go on a vacation. It's not wrong to have a car that won't break down when you're trying to get somewhere. I'm telling you, God bless his people. It's the attitude of the heart. Where are you finding your fulfillment? Is it in the purpose of God? It's in the calling of God. Or is it trying to always fulfill the flesh? If I can just get something new or something nicer. You know, we got this Louis Vuitton craze going on. If I can just get a Louis Vuitton. Why do you really want a Louis Vuitton? Why do you want a name brand? Why do you want this stuff? My friend, you've got to have the things of God prominent in your, in your life. Where he says, you know what? God blesses and I'm thankful. But the purpose of God there's so much more and if God tells me to sell it all I'm going to sell it all because I want to do the purpose of God is it okay if I tell a story about you Jonathan now Jonathan and and, and Melody were they're called to the mission field and they've come and gone most of you know that they're starting there they're going to go back to Mongolia here in a little while and so be praying for them and if you feel a burden to, to donate to them do that but I want to tell you this. They, they have a beautiful house that they spent three years building and um, finally got it done. And God calls them to the mission field. And they put it on the market and they tried to sell it. They said, God, we're going to give you this house and we're going to go to the mission field. And it wouldn't sell. It's on the market. And finally, Jonathan said, I've got to go on the mission field. I need a buyer. And he gets this guy that says, you know what? I can't buy it right now, but I'm going to sign a contract. Let me lease it for 12 months. And at the end of 12 months, I'll purchase it. And so they go on the mission field. They come back. And the guy forfeits on the contract, breaks the contract. And he's got the house back. And the Lord spoke to him. I'm going to paraphrase. I appreciate your desire to give your house for the kingdom. But I want you to keep it. You see, God doesn't always want everything from us. But what he really wants is our heart. And sometimes he'll ask things of us just to see what's in the heart. And this is my point. Why do we want the promise of God? Is it just because we want financial blessing? Or do we really connect it to the, to the covenant, to the, to the promise of Abraham? And the promise was this. You're going to have a, a nation that's going to one day have a Messiah. It's a spiritual kingdom, not an earthly kingdom. And yes, you're going to be blessed. But the most important thing is not the stuff. It's the spiritual covenant you have with me is what the Lord is saying. Are you going to hold on to it? And I would say the other thing that hinders people from receiving the promise of God is this. They think, I'm just not worthy to receive the promise. <laughs> not good enough, not talented enough. I've lied and deceived. I mean, can you imagine how you would feel if you were Jacob? And he heard how mad his brother was. He had to flee for his life. I mean, you, you literally pretended to be somebody else to get the promise. How could you... Then go to God and say, God, I demand the promise you gave me. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't you feel like a complete fraud? And so he leaves for 20 years. He runs from Esau. A lot of things happen. God's working on him. You know, a lot of times God just puts us in circumstances where God wants to mold our character. He wants to shape us. He wants to challenge our way of thinking. He wants to... Take some maybe rough spots are in us, and he's going to use life to 
like sandpaper. That doesn't feel real good, but it rubs those, those hard edges off of our life. And he tries to mold those character inside us so we can be the purpose, person God called us to be. And I remember one time I was so frustrated by life. You know, life can throw a lot of things at us. And uh, I just went to God in prayer on our frustration. I said, God, why does life have to be so hard? Have you ever asked God that? Why does life have to be so hard? And God spoke to me. I'll never forget. He said, out of the hardness of life, I'm going to mold your character. Just endure, boy. Rise up. Get that heart of a servant. Trust in me. Put a smile on your face. Find a way to be thankful. Be, be perseverant and go on. And in the process, I'm going to mold you into the person I've called you to be. My friend, you've got to go after the promise of God. No matter how you feel, no matter if you feel you're good enough. If God has put the word of God in scripture for you, if you have a covenant with God, then those promises are for you. They're yes and amen. And Jacob had to come to this mindset and realize, I may not be good enough. I may have deceived my father, but the promise is on my life. And the promise is here. I don't deserve it. I don't, I don't necessarily think that I should have it. But nonetheless, God's done it. He's affirmed it. He's reaffirmed it. And I've got to go back to the land that I'm called to go to. And so 20 years later, he comes back to his land of his father. Because there's a land of covenant there, connected to the land. And Esau is coming with 400 men to greet him. How would you like that? I just got news. Esau's on his way and he's got 400. But don't worry, they're probably friendly, 400 men. I mean, Esau's this big, hairy, red dude, you know, hunter. And I'm sure all his friends were just like him, you know. And Jacob, he just knows how to make stew. I don't know. He wasn't sure what to do. And the Bible says this, and this is kind of an understatement. Jacob was distressed and afraid. Well, yeah, I would say he was distressed and afraid. He realized that at that moment, if God doesn't intervene, his life is over. And I want to take you back to Genesis 32 and 9. He's praying here. <clears throat> and he says this. Oh God, my father Abraham. And God of my father Isaac. And the Lord would said unto me. Return to thy country and thy kindred. And I will deal with thee. See, God told him to come back. Notice this verse 10. I am not worthy. He understands his, how, how lack of wor worthy he is. He says, I am not worthy. Of the least of all of your mercies. I don't deserve any of it. And of all of the truth. Which thou hast showed thy servant. For with thy staff I passed over this Jordan. I went alone just me. And now I have come back with two bands of, of, of just blessing. Of family. Verse 11. Deliver me I pray thee. From the hand of my brother. From the hand of Esau. For I fear him. Lest he comes and smites me and the mother of my children. He's not only going to kill me, now he's going to kill all of, my, all of my sons and all of my family. And then notice what he says in verse 12. For thou hast said, God, I will surely do thee good and I will make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the multitude. And so this is what Jacob was saying. God, I'm scared to death of my brother. 
I don't deserve your mercies. I, I have trampled over your mercies, and I am the least of anyone. But I am going to stand on the promises that you gave me. You said come back, and you said my seed will be like the sand of the sea. And so I'm standing on the promise that you've given me in the midst of adversity, in the midst of a charging army that's coming against me. God, I'm standing on your promise. I don't care what it looks like. I'm standing on the promise you gave me. And later on, on alone, alone, all by himself, he runs into a man that's an angel. The angel of the Lord, in fact. And somehow, he begins this wrestling match with the angel. There was something in Jacob that was just so determined. I'm going to wrestle. And you know, really, I, I feel like Jacob was wrestling with himself a lot. Because I think it's like he's like a lot of us. We've got these promises and sometimes we've come to an altar and God has given us things. And maybe we're home alone uh, at our bedside and in the brokenness of life and God spoke some things to us. Wherever you were, you have those moments where God spoke things to you. And for a second, you had a clear vision of what God wants to do in your life. But then life begins to interfere and the vision becomes blurred and the dark clouds come in your life once again. And it's hard to always really believe the promise. This was Jacob. And so he wrestled with himself. Is he going to believe or is he not going to believe? Is he going to hold on to the word of God or is he not going to hold on to word? Is he going to trust the, the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob? Or is he going to let the promise go because he's not worthy of it? What is the purpose? Why does he, what, why, what is it, what's he going to, um, how is he going to make up his mind? What's he going to be? Who's his identity going to be? So in a lot of ways, he's wrestling with himself as he grabs a hold of the angel and he's wrestling with his angel all night. And at the break of day, uh, he will not let the angel go. So the angel just touches his thigh. And his thigh goes out of joint. I mean, it's just one touch. The angel could have destroyed Jacob if he wanted to. It would be like a grown man wrestling with a little three-year-old. Just one touch. It was all the stuff that was inside Jacob. Jacob was wrestling it out. And the angel spoke to Jacob at that moment after he touched his thigh. And he went limp on that one side. The angel said, let me go, because it was Jacob that was holding on with that tight death grip. Let me go, for the day breaketh, and Jacob, in all his determination, said this, I will not let you go. I wish something would get a hold of us in this hour. We live in a world that's broken. We live in a world with sin abounds. We live in a world where everything that used to be good is turned upside down. And everything that was right is now wrong and wrong is right. We live in a world, uh, my friend, as we celebrate July 4th weekend, where a nation that needs to be healed, if my people humble themselves and pray, uh, he said, I will heal from heaven and heal their land. My friend, instead of just accepting it as his, what if we got uh, that attitude of Jacob and said, no, 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 God, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not leaving this prayer room. I'm not leaving until you bless me. You said you're going to bless me. You've given me the promises. You, you, you said I'm going to be the one that carries on the lineage of my grandfather Abraham. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm not letting go until God blesses me. I'm not letting go until God blesses me. I'm not letting go until God blesses me. I'm not letting go. 
I'm not letting the enemy steal what God's given me. I'm going to grab a hold of it, and I'm going to have the death grip. I'd rather die than let it go. I'd rather die than, than allow the devil to steal it out of my hand. I'd rather die than I, than I would uh, allow the promise of God to be miscarried in my life. No, God gave them to me. I'm going to hold on to it, and I'm going to stand in the presence of God until the promise of God come to pass in my life. Hallelujah. Now, how many of you, I'm, coming, I'm about to come to a close. We're going to ask our musicians to come. Now, I've struggled with this message this morning because my voice is just not cooperating. And uh, I apologize for that. But I'm going to tell you what God told me to tell you, and that's this. You better grab a hold of the promise of God in your life. My friend, you better grab a hold of it before you lose sight of it. When you, when you throw something down or you let it go, my friend, over time, you won't even know where it's at anymore. It will be gone. Oh, I put it somewhere. Oh, where's that promise? I, 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 put that pro- I had that promise in my hand. I set that promise down. Where did I put that promise? And my friend, it's just a, it's just a memory of what used to be. But when you grab a hold of it and it's right there in your hand and you have made a termination, someone comes up and tries to grab, no, you're not taking my promise. Someone comes up and says, you know, that's never going to happen. You're not taking my promise. You, you see how bad the word, you're not taking my, you see what they said. I'm thinking, you're not taking my promise. Oh, I doubt they'll ever come back. You're not taking my, oh, that, that, that marriage will never be healed. You're not taking my promise. Oh, nothing will ever, you're not taking my promise. No, no, no. you got to understand, God's given you some promises, and you better grab a hold of them and never let them go. Never let them go. I, you can stand with me. My friend here, listen. I want to give you an image. I want to give you an image. The children of Israel, they should have been in the promised land. But instead, they died wandering around in a wilderness because they couldn't grab a hold of the promise of God. They couldn't believe. I wish this generation would get a hold of the mindset that I'd rather have the sword in my hand marching on the enemy's land, but they're giants. But I'd rather die with a sword in my hand by a giant standing on the promised land than die wandering around the wilderness because I threw my sword down and went pick it up. My friend, somebody's going to have to wrestle some things in their life because I see things where people get victory and then they go right back to defeat and God picks them up and gives them victory and a vision and they go right back to defeat. But then I see some people in this church that are getting a hold of it and say, no, no, I'm wrestling some things. I've got, Pastor, the prayer means I've been having. I've been wrestling some things out of me. I've been holding on to God, and I've been grabbing on them, and I've been saying, God, your promises are going to come to pass, and I'm going to stand on them, and I'm going to proclaim them, and I'm going to prophesy them until they come to pass because God said I can have them, and it doesn't matter if I'm not good enough or I'm not holy enough or I'm not this enough or that enough. I'm going to stand, and I'm going to be the person God's called me to be. I'm going to not I'm not going to let go of the promise until you bless me and here's the thing this is the amazing part to me he's wrestling with this angel the angel of the Lord's wanting to go 
kind of, because he could have won if he wanted to. <laughs> Jacob says, not letting you go. And the angel of the Lord looks back at him and says, what do you call yourself? You see, the issue is not the blessing. The issue is the identity. You've been so uncertain about what's going to happen because you haven't connected your identity yet to the purposes that I have for your life. Oh, give me the financial blessing, but don't give me that spiritual responsibility. I'll call myself Jacob. (laughs) Did you not know my name, Lord? (laughs) What does Jacob mean? Manipulator, deceiver, liar, heel grabber. And sometimes we look at ourselves and we, all we can see is a failure. Oh, I'm just a failure. I'm just a mistake. I'm just the one that messed up. I'm the one that made that bad decision. And we let yesterday identify our today. And God is saying, no, no, no. You're not going to be identified by your yesterday mistakes. You're going to be identified by the promise of today. Oh, and listen, you will, you will no longer be called Jacob. But now you're going to be called Israel. And what does Israel mean? Israel means you have power with God and with man. No longer are you going to be a deceiver. You're going to be the one that has power with God. You're Israel, Israel, Israel. Why? Because your identity has to match the call of God. Has to. The struggle is really, are you willing to say yes to the call of God? Come on, Jacob, are you going to? Are you going to wrestle some things out? Come on, Jacob, are you going to do it God's way? Are you just going to always manipulate your way through life, you know? You grab onto the promise of God in the Bible that you like, but you don't like those other scriptures, you'll leave them out. You like the certain things a pastor says, you're going to hold on to them. But the other stuff, pastor says, no, no, I don't need none of that. <laughs> Sprinkle on the sugar. Give me the cotton candy. Don't give me the broccoli. Come on. And God is saying, Jacob... If you really want this, and you're wrestling with me, you got the determination. If you really want it, then you're going to have to change your identity of who you are. Because you're not going to walk in my promises, Jacob. You're going to only walk in his Israel. My friend, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Someone needs to grab on the promise of God until your identity is changed by God. And you no longer see the way you see. You never think the way you think. You never act the way you act. My friend, God's got a calling and he's got a new name for you. And his name is the name that's above every name. You're no longer whoever you are. You've got the name of Jesus written on your heart and connected your identity. You are a child of God. They were first called Christian at Antioch because they were different. And my friend, God is looking for some of you to call out of this generation and be different to reflect who he is is and to be called by the identity he's called you by he's known you from your mother's womb he's reaching for you this morning if you have a need this morning if you need a touch if you're going through the spirit of life if you need the holy ghost if you just want a, a, a god to bless you if you just want to come up and, and wrestle some things with god my friend these altars are open would you come would you find a place to pray this morning i feel the lord in this place right now he's here he's reaching he's calling he's doing a work in this hour he's saying i've called you unto me come 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 unto me grab a hold of the promises
Faithfulness, and I will 